Chapter 38 Year 883 PXF Late Summer After she took the shot, Gwen jumped up from her perch and ran out of the upstairs room. She scrambled down the stairs in whatever way her half-numb legs would navigate them and burst out the farmhouse door, sprinting into the orchard. Lungs pumping like bellows and heartbeats in her ears sounding as loud as one of her gunshots, she charged through the darkness under the still-living trees toward the dead clearing. She had seen everything through her scope. After the Raven Judge's arrival and his conjuring of the rats and then taking to the sky, she was horrified at what they faced. She knew she would give away her position by warning Thorn of the Judge's descent from above, but she couldn't not call out. And when the dead eyes of the Raven Mask looked up at her, she knew she would have to do something more than what she had promised Thorn. That is when Thorn's words came to her. He knows I can enchant only one bullet. She unloaded the bullet he had given her and replaced it with a mundane one. Her feet pounded forward out of the rich soil of the still-living part of the orchard and into the dust of the desiccated clearing. On the side of the dead zone closest to the center of the orchard, was the fallen body of Thorn and the crumpled undead corpse of Rabian. She ran to Thorn, who she saw wasn't breathing, the grievous wound in his torso slick with blood and exposed viscera. No! 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 She pleaded through sobs as she skidded to her knees and cradled his head. She looked for his sickle that she had seen perform a miracle the night before, and found it lying in his open hand the tiny tree that was its hilt, looking sickly, and with only a few remaining leaves. She picked up the sickle and laid it on his chest, along with the hammer from his other lifeless hand. Not here! You don't leave me from this dead place! Not while I am with you, you don't! She vowed. Gwen put her hands under Thorn's armpits and dragged him toward the now-split largest tree at the center of the orchard that had meant so much to both of them. Gwen propped Thorn's body against a side of the trunk which was still undamaged, and took his hand in both of hers. Please, was all she said. She didn't know if she was talking to the ghost of her husband, the gods, or even the trees of the orchard. She didn't even know if she had the right to ask, but she still did, and, lowering her head, repeated quietly, Please. A soft breeze rustled the leaves of the great tree above her, and a weak, gentle hum began beside her from the tiny tree of the sickle as it struggled for life. Thorn stood at the threshold of a beautiful valley. Towering granite cliffs and monumental rock faces stood sentinel to either side, with shimmering waterfalls cascading off their dizzying heights. He saw a river wound lazily across the valley floor, gurgling across polished stones and gently tumbling around fallen boulders in its path. In the distance, a forest glade stood ahead of him, promising shade and verdant serenity as pink wildflowers carpeted the way toward it. His consciousness seemed to rush toward the glade as he saw a familiar figure emerge from the welcoming green shadows. And then another and sadly, a final one. Miss Haddington, McCall, and Lachlan stood waiting to greet him. 
Miss Haddington opened her arms, awaiting a long-missed embrace. With relief for the person he did not see, and regret that they had never met again in life, Thorn took a step forward into the valley. Gwen's eyes looked to the soft musical note coming from beside her. It was the first note of her and her husband's marriage song. Tears coming unbidden to her eyes, she added her voice to the melody. The little tree sang back to her as its tiny form lifted off the blade of the sickle and began to float above Thorn's chest, its remaining leaves glowing with silvery gold light. As the miniature tree slowly rotated, its last leaves detached, evaporating into sparkling motes of light. The rustling in the great tree above her became like a tempest and spread to the orchard around her. The canopies of the trees pulsed with stored moonlight, sweeping across the whole orchard towards her. Radiance flowed like a wave over the boughs of the trees and across the dead clearing. It coalesced above her, filtering through the branches of the great tree, and its dappled light flashed on Thorn's body with the brilliance of a lightning strike. From the split in the tree behind her, an ethereal vine reached out and twined its way across the barren clearing. As it grew, it arched over the raven judge's corpse and wrapped around the vermilion blade, wresting it from the judge's grasp. The vine picked up the cursed blade and drew it closer, bringing it towards Thorn. Gwen moved to block its path, having seen all the evil that glaive had wrought. This was no salvation. Even if it were the intent of the gods, she would not allow it. As Thorn lifted his foot to step into the valley, ready to be at rest and with those who had already arrived, the ground ripped open before him. He stood alone on a stone precipice as the valley and those waiting for him began to retreat from his sight. Thorn was not going to lose this family. Not now. He leaped across the widening gulf, barely grabbing the edge of the retreating sanctuary, his body hanging over a gray nothingness below him. Thorn scrambled up over the edge and onto stable ground. Lachlan was there before him, waiting with the others behind him. Miss Haddington and Mikal began to step around Lachlan, but the commander blocked them with outstretched arms. Thorn, you cannot cross to this place unescorted, and you are beyond the last friend's reach to guide you. You shouldn't have even made it this far. His voice carried the same force as when training him back at the estate's courtyard. Thorn, confused and hurt, responded with the words in his heart. I don't know why I made it this far, but I'm not losing all of you. I am not going to be alone. I may not have the last friend, but finally, for once in my life, I am my own friend. It was not a plea, but an epiphany. Lachlan's mouth made a slight upward curve of approval. He placed his hand on the chest of the man he thought of as his son and stated, and that is why you cannot enter. And pushed Thorn over the edge, out of the valley, and into the void. Gwen shuffled on her knees into the path of the vine carrying the vermilion blade closer toward Thorn. She didn't know what she would do to stop this, 
She even looked over her shoulder, hoping the tiny tree would help, but it had fallen lifeless onto Thorn's chest, laying on the open wound gaping there. Stop! No! This can't be what he wanted! She shouted at the oncoming weapon and the vine carrying it. As it advanced, now at Thorn's feet, she saw the mark branded into the cursed glaive that she knew hadn't been there before. She sat back on her heels, and her arms fell to her sides. Closing her eyes, she let the blade continue on its course. The ethereal vine, still carrying the vermilion blade, drifted past Gwen and Thorn, retreating back into the tree from which it had sprouted, taking the glaive with it. It seeded the vermilion blade deep within the split the weapon had created in the great tree. The mark Thorn had placed upon it glowed brightly. A five-petaled apple blossom, looking like it was painted in full color instead of the black char of a brand. As the glaive locked into place, crimson gold light erupted from the great tree. Gwen now witnessed the filaments of life as Thorn did with the sickle covering and interconnecting everything in its vast webwork. The orchard and all around her was encompassed by the display of the intersection of life's possibility. It pulsed with energy that flowed into the great tree, and she watched the split in its trunk begin to close, encasing the vermilion blade within. Then, looking to Thorn's body, she saw that as the wound in the tree healed, so did Thorn. There was no darkness nor light in the place where he was left. He was adrift in a gray abyss of nothingness. How long Thorn floated there, he did not know. But suddenly he began to fall, and with an impact that vibrated deep in his bones and knocked the breath out of him, he coughed and opened his eyes. His chest hurt like hell. Above him were the branches of an apple tree, glowing like brass just pulled from a forge. Ringing in his ears was a fading musical note, and then Gwen was there, her concerned face looking down at him streaked with tears. Thorn! Thorn! Are you there? Are you okay? She pleaded. Yes, I think. He coughed out the words. What happened? Is Rabian still dead? Where is the Vermilion Blade? Thorn pushed himself to a sitting position and got to his feet with Gwen's help. He gathered his bearings. The whole orchard looked like it was bathed in sunlight, but the largest tree here at its center glowed the brightest. Look, Gwen said as she turned him toward the split in the tree as it closed around the vermilion blade. The top of the shaft and all of the steel blade, including the hole made by Gwen's shot, was still visible, but wouldn't be for long. And there on the neck, where metal met wood, was the apple blossom seal Thorn had willed upon it. It worked, Thorn stated, relieved. The life of this whole orchard and all connected to it will bind it here. Thorn looked down at his own chest and saw the discoloration and dark scar where his wound had been. It was in the exact shape of the tree that had once been the hilt of his sickle. Oh no, he whispered as his hand came up to the scar and he frantically looked around for Kasfarian's weapon. The blade portion was on the ground next to where he lay, with his hammer beside it, 
but the tiny tree was nowhere to be found. Gwen squeezed Thorn's hand. It's gone. It fulfilled your last wish and used its last bit of life to join the glaive with the tree. Thorn picked up the remainder of the sickle along with his hammer and held them close to his heart. Thorn and Gwen watched the wound in the tree close until its wood and bark enveloped every inch of the vermilion blade, both waiting until the end to ensure it was completely contained. Thorn then looked into the still-dead clearing where Rabian's body had fallen. All that remained was his black cloak, crumbling bones, and a patch of glowing blue mushrooms cleansing the corruption of his remaining flesh. It heartened Thorn to see the mushrooms were beginning to spread beyond Rabian, and had started cleansing the desiccated clearing as well. As he scanned the ground, Thorn spotted a tiny apple tree sapling that had already sprouted. With a smile, he carefully scooped it up in his hands, and side by side with Gwen, they walked through the orchard in the moonlight back to the farmhouse.